Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we cover the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning for schools and emotional intelligence training in the workplace, aligning our lives to the most current brain research. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, specifically on the topics of health, well-being, and productivity, and launched this podcast to share how important an understanding of our brain is for our everyday life and results, whether we're a teacher or a student in the classroom or working in the modern workplace. This season, season eight of the podcast, and our third year of creating content, I wanted to take a deeper dive into the importance of brain health, since this three-pound organ of remarkable matter that we all have, our brain, literally controls everything for us. We all have a brain, but it still boggles my mind that we were never taught how to use it. We've now entered this new era of neuroscience, where we're gaining a deeper understanding of what makes us human and the latest breakthroughs in science that can propel us all forward in ways that we never could without the latest discoveries in science. When we think about how new these concepts are, this topic is truly fascinating, and I can understand why there's so much interest in this podcast, along with others of the same theme. Who wouldn't want to know the latest secrets of the brain and how they're relevant to our daily life? This topic is a relatively new field of study. We're the first academic departments that focused on studying neuroscience didn't begin until the 1960s. And then for the next 40 years, brain science was hyper-focused on establishing the basics. Like what is a neuron? How do brain cells communicate with each other? What are the brain's functional areas that map onto behaviors? This solid foundation does help us to learn about the different parts of the brain and uncover their functions, but I'm sure that you're like me, and we have more questions than there are answers for when it comes to uncovering the mysteries within our brain. When fMRI scans came out in the early 2000s, this changed the way we could look at the activity within the brain, and advancements in our understanding took a fast track going far beyond just what we could see looking at the brain through a microscope. I've mentioned it before on this podcast that in the early days of studying neuroscience, we went from seeing research that was focused on different parts of the brain, like the amygdala or the hypothalamus, to seeing entire networks in the brain as technology advanced. Studies became focused more on the neural pathways or the interconnected brain bringing to light that when we take an action, it's just not one part of the brain we should consider, but the immense networks of the brain working together, sometimes across blurred borders and multiple functions. It's taken some time, well, it's taken over 60 years since those early academics began studying neuroscience, but we're now finally seeing positions in the field of education turn up in certain states across the U.S., where leaders like Dr. Lori Desitel, she's an assistant professor at Butler University, she just shared that in her state, Indiana, schools that were just a few years ago beginning to add social and emotional learning department heads are now looking for those who are trained in the field of educational neuroscience. 
This topic is broad and important not only for those in education, but in every sector of the modern workplace. Which brings us to this week's Brain Fact Friday, where we're preparing for an upcoming interview, which is closer to the end of the month now, with Dr. Ashok Gupta, who's a well-known neuroplasticity brain retraining expert who spent the last 25 years researching the effects of the brain and the mind on illness. When he began researching ways to help himself with chronic fatigue that he was diagnosed with, he was frustrated with his own health and he became fascinated in learning more about how his brain was connected to his body. And this was in the late 90s when he began looking for answers. No one was talking about the brain body connection. He says that medicine was focused on what we could measure, but the brain was a black box without fMRI scans, that no one could peer into. Like Dr. Gupta, I'm sure we can all relate with an injury we've had in the past, where the pain just doesn't seem to go away. We keep going to the chiropractor, massage therapist, physical therapy, with no avail. Or we've gone to the doctor with chronic pain, or when we just don't feel right, and the doctor does a bunch of blood tests and he says, there's nothing wrong with you. So we get a frustrating diagnosis of fibromyalgia or some other autoimmune disease where doctor visits seem never-ending and results or healing never occur. It's not been until recent discoveries that the brain was even considered with chronic pain or disease, but Dr. Gupta kept looking for answers within the brain until he found them. We'll learn more about Dr. Gupta's discoveries when we speak with him that has made a serious case for the fact that chronic pain or illness is due to the fact that maybe the brain is creating an artificial environment in the body because it's overprotecting the system to ensure its survival. Which brings us to this week's Brain Fact Friday. I wanted to take a closer look at how neuroscience is connected to chronic pain. Data from the National Center for Health Statistics showed that in 2019, 20.4% or 1 out of 5 adults had chronic pain, and 7.4% of adults had chronic pain that frequently limited their life or work activities, and this is called high-impact chronic pain that lasted more than a three-month period. Do you relate to this? Have you ever had an injury and the pain just never seemed to go away? Does this pain bother you while you're working or impact your sleep? Have you been to the chiropractor or any other healthcare provider and it's helped for a short period of time, but the pain returns? I surely do relate to this and I've wondered for years, what is this pain in my neck? The doctors say there's nothing structurally there, so off I go to physical therapy and learn to stand up straighter and work without leaning forward, but the pain is always there, and it's been since I slipped and fell on a pool deck in my late 20s. I'm not one of the 7.4% of adults whose life is limited with pain, but it's been there all those years I was studying in university or teaching a class or leading a presentation. I always end the day with some neck exercises and biofreezing peppermint to relieve the pain. Then I went to visit a top sports chiropractor who's worked closely with athletes and sports teams in my state, and he evaluated me a few years ago and seemed surprised that for someone who seemed to be doing things the right way, 
that I couldn't solve this one thing, this pain in my neck. I definitely started to wonder, is this pain all in my head? And now I think there's some truth to this. For this week's Brain Fact Friday, did you know that there is no single brain region that generates pain and that our pain is all in our head? Not for some people, but for everyone, 100% of the time. You can watch a fascinating TEDx from Julia Gover on pain in the brain, and Dr. Gupta will further explain what he discovered about how the brain creates a vicious loop of inflammation in our body. You can also watch his recent interviews by clicking on the links in the show notes. But Julia Gover really explains it well in her TEDx on pain in the brain. Julia likens the pain we feel to a fire alarm that senses fire by being sensitive to heat and smoke, not specifically to the fire itself. This is exactly like our body. She explains there are no pain signals, pain pathways, or pain nerves in your body. It's the receptors on the end of your nerves that are receptive to pressure, touch, chemicals in the area, or temperature. Our brain takes cues from our mood, from our senses, and our memory to see if we've been in this situation before. It also takes into account our own personal beliefs about your health and your body. We can now see that pain is a subjective experience, and I began to learn more when I read that two people may undergo exactly the same medical procedure, but they come up with a very different pain response and also pain relief requirements. It goes back to Dr. Gupta's hypothesis for pain, where he guessed that maybe the brain is creating an artificial environment in the body because it's overprotecting the system to ensure its survival. The brain takes everything it's experiencing into consideration and asks, do I need to protect myself? If the brain thinks there's a threat, it will produce the experience of pain to protect you like the fire alarm sounding when it senses danger with smoke or heat. To review this week's Brain Fact Friday, did you know that although brain injury and chronic pain reshape how the brain works, that the brain itself cannot feel pain, which means that pain doesn't exist in our body. It's created by our brain and projected onto our body. So if you have a pain in your neck like me, that just doesn't go away, we do know that our brain and its neural networks are involved. We'll dive deeper into this topic next Friday, and hopefully Dr. Gupta will answer all our questions on the best solutions we can use to resolve our chronic pain the following week. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, and hopefully it's pain-free. See you next week. you're enjoying the neuroscience meets social and emotional learning podcast please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode while you're there please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us for more information on our programs books and tools for schools and the workplace visit us at www.achieveit360.com 